The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to today's show. Today, we have Dr. Donna Mazzola with us. Dr. Mazzola is a pharmacist with a doctorate of pharmacy degree, and she approaches her treatments on disease management through lifestyle changes. She was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2015, which led her to further her education by getting a master's in human nutrition and functional medicine. She now shares her tips and guidance, which are all based on research, in a very approachable way that is easy to understand on her blog and her social media channels. On today's episode, Donna talks to us about many different aspects on how we can manage our autoimmune diseases by focusing on our gut. She specifically tells us her guidance on where we should be starting if we are new to autoimmune-based diets or lifestyles, or even if we're not new to this realm, but looking for a new option. She also shares foods that we should eat as well as foods that we should stay away from and her thoughts on common autoimmune diets, such as the Walls Protocol, Swank Diet, and Autoimmune Protocol. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this information. I know that I learned a ton and you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode. Dr. Mazzola, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. I'm excited for this conversation. Yes. And I have honestly just a ton of questions I want to ask you that I personally have, but also that my clients have asked me. But before we jump in, I do want to ask you a question from our interview deck. They are very random questions, but it'll help our audience get to know you a bit more. So shuffling now, are you ready for your question? Yes. A little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So your question is, what was the worst time you ever put your foot in your mouth? And what did you say? Gosh, hmm. you know, it probably, and you learn this early in life is, you know, you have a coworker that, you know, maybe she gained a little weight, but you're not realizing it. And the question comes out, like, are you pregnant? And you're like 22 and not realizing how stupid that sounded. Um, so it's like, I never do that again. I don't care. Like if it's completely obvious that someone's like eight months pregnant, like unless she tells me she's pregnant, I will not ask if somebody. Right. So yeah, <laughs> I was telling the worst time, but young and young and stupid, I guess. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's such a good answer. My dad has a tendency to do that uh, way too often. So he learned his lesson. I think there was one time where it was twice within one week where he made that same mistake. And so oh. now he says the same thing. He just never mentions it. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I see people like ready to pop and I'm like, nope. Yeah. 
I'm not even going to assume. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's dive in. And actually, before I ask you my questions, can you give us a little background for those that maybe have never heard of you before and they want to know what it is that you do? Yeah, of course. So I'm a um, clinical pharmacist by training, um, graduated, gosh, over 15 years ago now. And I worked for quite a while, about 10 years in clinical practice, um, doing just patient consult and medication therapy management. I found myself educating quite a bit around nutrition because really that, you know, it, it just, I just took me there, you know, and it was like, okay, well, I have them on all these meds, but what are they eating? Are they exercising and really focusing on lifestyle measures um, and realizing that in the conventional medicine landscape, those are never addressed very rarely. And not, people had no concept of education on it. You know, I had people that were living with diabetes that would tell me they didn't know what a carbohydrate was. And so it was like very, very eye-opening in practice. Um, so I always had this interest in nutrition and I, and, you know, wanted to go back to school. And it wasn't until 2015 when I was personally diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is a chronic disease as well, an autoimmune disease of nature, um, where I was just like, just shocked. I mean, I was left in a state of like, wow, I, I thought I do live a healthy lifestyle and I do eat well and I exercise and how could this happen to me? And all I had ever learned in school was related to, you know, autoimmune diseases, your body attacks, stop, nothing you can do, take your medicine. And that was it. And it's nothing against the medications because many medications do help people, but I'm like, there has to be more to this. Um, th this can't be the answer. Like, and, and so I find myself frequently asking the question why, um, and so I took it upon myself to go back to school and get a master's degree in functional medicine and human nutrition. So ultimately gaining an understanding of the root cause of disease and how nutrition plays a role in that and lifestyle measures. And through that journey um, came the, my blog. Um, so Dr. Autoimmune Girl was born um, through that journey. And she is my persona and platform where I share reputable scientific information that's easily, you know, digestible, like clinical pearls that I read about, find, and I just found myself sharing information through my journey in school. And, and that just kept growing and growing. Um, and people loved it and they still do. And I can see why. And the reason I started it is because I had a very hard time finding reputable scientific information. And that wasn't just people's opinions out there on social media and social media is a great platform to reach people and to educate. Um, but, you know, I find it's not always utilized in the right ways. And so I wanted to be that person that was going to utilize it in the right way um, and be able to provide that information and to reach people more broadly. Um, and so I have people from all over the globe that are using kind of these simple measures and implementing them into life and just feeling better every day. I love that. And for our listeners who are tuning in right now, I will put Donna's Instagram handle, blog information, everywhere you can find her in the show notes. So definitely check that out. And yes, I actually first found you on Instagram and I love all of your posts for the reasons that you just said. They're reputable, they're scientific, and they're easy to understand. The way that you phrase things makes it so simple to understand why they might be feeling a certain way or what foods they should or shouldn't uh, stay away from or actually take in. So I 
really love understanding the why as well, you know, really asking yourself like, well, why is this good for me? Why is this bad for me? Because I think if you can understand the why, then it's easier to stick to a plan that works for you. So my first question is something that I get asked a lot as a physical therapist, and this is not my area of expertise, which is why I'm excited you're here with us. That question is, where do I start? You know, and most of the clients that I work with do have multiple sclerosis, but others have different autoimmune conditions and everyone's at a different range. Some people have tried something and they're looking for something new. Others haven't started at all. So do you have any guidance of if someone's trying to make a fresh start right now, where, where should they start? Yeah, I get asked this question quite a bit too myself. And it's just like most people that are either newly diagnosed or have been diagnosed and just don't feel well, um, regardless of what they think they're doing everything right. And the focal point of all of that, and whether you're newly diagnosed, you have ongoing chronic illness, you have symptoms and you're not diagnosed, but there are all these symptoms that like I describe all the time, people are like, oh yeah, I feel feel fatigued all the time and this and that, and, but, but I don't have any kind of diagnosis what's going on. And my answer is always inflammation and reducing inflammation. And it's just so, so critical. Um, you know, it's, it's inflammation through our overall lifestyle. So I know we're, you know, we focus in on food, which food is a big one. Um, but you know, there's other things that also impact inflammation and increase inflammation in the body. And those things like stress, lack of sleep, lack of exercise, lack of movement. Um, you know, it's just, I mean, there's studies that show things like meditation and reduction on actual objective measures of blood work that show a reduction in inflammation as a result. And so um, there's so much that can be done. So I talk about like holistic lifestyle factors, but food plays such a critical role. Um, and unfortunately our current lifestyle and um, food, you know, there's just processing of our food and those practices and how the crops are raised um, and, you know, farmed just also contribute to that entire picture of inflammation, you know, that ex constant exposure to pesticides and toxins and um, being fed, you know, GMO corn and that translates to our body. And so it's just adds on top of each other. And unfortunately, we have this like insane amount of inflammatory, um, just overall inflammatory things that are just assaulting our body constantly. And so there's this like, this overload that's been put on the body. And as a result, we're seeing a lot of these symptoms related to inflammatory conditions. Inflammatory conditions are really at the mainstay of all these autoimmune conditions. And so it's, it's just this like vicious cycle that continues to occur. Yeah. So do you have any foods that are 100% for 100% of the population are good for everyone. They're anti-inflammatory for everyone. Yes. So, um, essentially what I tell people is, and I talk about this in my, um, recent book that is available now for order, but it's really focusing in on just whole real foods. And when we think about plants and it's not just fruits and vegetables. And we talk about oils and nuts and plant proteins and seeds and herbs, and those all count. So when we think about plants in general, encompassing all of that and fruits and vegetables, um, plants have these phytonutrients um, 
that really for them, they're a means to protect against, you know, insects or winds or whatever it may be, right? So that they can grow and, and nourish, be nourished. And, and, and those biochemicals that the plants use to protect themselves, when we eat that plant, we benefit from those nutrients and biochemicals. And so they're protective to the plant and then they're protective to us and beneficial to us. And so, I mean, the sky is the limit. There's over 5,000 phytochemicals that are in plants. Um, and so many have not even been identified to what they are. Um, and it's not to say that people will always say, oh, well, can I just take a supplement? But really it's the benefit really comes from eating those foods um, because ultimately, what's happening when you actually consume those foods, you're consuming the entire part of the plant. And those various phytochemicals work in synergy with one another. And when you think about supplements, you're isolating one portion of it. And so sometimes you'll get studies that are done on some of these supplements and, and it has a negative result to it, or, you know, it causes, you know, liver enzymes to be elevated. And because you're taking a very concentrated amount of one portion, as opposed to eating the plant in its entirety and gaining the benefits from those phytonutrients and phytochemicals. Um, so I like to keep it simple. You know, it's just kind of like eat the rainbow, eat a variety, um, you know, and, and they're, they're all going to have that overall anti-inflammatory benefit. Awesome. So this is reminding me, I don't know that I should say this publicly yet because it's before the holidays, but I don't know if my sister listens to my podcast. I'm just going to go for it. So my sister is a vegetarian and what I got her for Christmas is this spice set. And it's, I think it's maybe like six different spices that are supposed to make your vegetables tastier. Now I'm starting to think, well, I don't know, maybe that's not the healthy way to go. Like, what are your thoughts on, especially for people who maybe don't like plants, they don't like vegetables. Is it okay to season them with other things or should you really have it in its just truest form, maybe steamed or uh, roasted or boiled? Yeah, so what I'll say is every vegetable is different um, in terms of, and that includes like oils are different, whether they should be heated or taken in raw. Um, some vegetables have more nutrients when they're heated and cooked versus others being raw. Um, but spices are a plant, right? So it's great to season them. Um, so many of these herbs and, you know, things like we know of common anti-inflammatory herbs like ginger and turmeric and whatnot. I mean, those are all great to use, um, but all these spices and herbs are stem from a plant, right? They're dried. So when I tell people to eat nine to 12 servings of plants, um, spices count as a serving, you know? And so, yeah, absolutely. It's great to add that additional spice. And what's beautiful about plants is that when you eat different plants together, again, that synergy is just, you know, exponentially grows because they ultimately work together and then they provide you that benefit. So it's great to eat a variety of different plants and vegetables and eat them together. Nice. Okay. That makes me feel better about my gift. <laughs> so when it comes, so you just said nine to 12 cups of plants. So how do you work that into your day? And should you also be having a, any different source of protein or carbs, or for the most part, can you get protein and carbs from plants as well? Yeah, so I'm not against, so when I say nine to 12 servings of plants, um, it's not to say that you can't have animal protein, 
Um, so I'm not against animal protein, just ensuring that it's raised appropriately and in an anti-inflammatory manner. And that's why we push for organic and, you know, for any kind of meat, you know, grass fed and grass finished so that you're ensuring you're not increasing those omega-6 fatty acids that are highly inflammatory um, in those animals that, you know, are not raised that way or that are, they use hormones in or whatever it is. Um, so it's not to say I'm against um, animal meat by any means. I, I eat animal protein. Um, but I also ensure that I get that nine to 12 servings of plants. And it sounds like a lot. Um, but if you think about it, you start breaking it down. Like I said, nuts count. So like if you had a handful of nuts as a snack, there's one serving. Um, if you have a smoothie in the morning and you could throw in three to four different types of, um, you know, if you had put strawberries in there, if you put bananas in there, a handful of spinach, some chia seeds, um, almond milk, it's like, wow, right there, you're at five, right? So I said nine to 12. Now you have five of various variety. Then you have a salad, right? And then you add, uh, you know, even olive oil to that. Olive oil counts. Um, and so that's a plant-based food. So, you know, by dinner, you could already be there. It's just consciously, if you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, if I'm overall focusing in on eating healthy and nutrient-dense foods, like I just listed, um, then yeah, you'll, it, you don't have to think about it. It's actually that that's something that I've learned is that it doesn't have to be so hard. You don't, you really don't have to think that hard about it. Yeah, that's so true. And I honestly didn't think about it that way. When I hear a number like that, like nine to 12, yeah. my mind instantly goes to, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? How am I going to fit this in? But with hearing you phrase it in that way, like, yeah, I bet by end of lunch, like I do have a smoothie for breakfast most mornings, or if not, I'll put my chia seed and flaxseed in with oatmeal. So those things can count. So yeah, it is true. It, it all adds up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, oatmeal counts, um, you know, it's, it's plant-based. So yeah, when people think plant, they only think fruits and vegetables. How am I going to eat nine, 12 servings of fruits and vegetables? And that's why I say like, you know, um, what I, like I said, what I talk about in my book is, is really giving you the understanding of all these foods. So you understand the science behind each of them then you, you figure out what you like, right? And you, you know what you, what you enjoy, what you like, and you can kind of create that nutritional plan for you with that simple guidance of like making sure it's nine to 12 servings, right? And, and following that at least 80% of the time, like we're all going to want, you know, that pie on Thanksgiving or what, I mean, or that Saturday night when you go out for dinner and you splurge, it's fine. You know, um, we can't be completely restrictive, but recognizing that the vast majority of the time we're following these basic principles, then you will feel better. And so I, and I tell people when you, when you have that moment of splurging and you do go out, you feel it the next day. And there's many times where I'm like, I'm not doing it because I already know how I'm going to feel. And it's just not worth it. And when you get your body to that point, then it naturally just, you change your lifestyle. Um, and it, it's not, doesn't feel like it's a job. It doesn't feel like a diet because you don't want that, right? It's just a matter of like understanding what's beneficial to you, implementing that into your lifestyle, assessing how you feel and realizing you don't want to go back and you love it and you feel better. And that's the goal. Yeah. And that sounds like a way where it's also freedom, food freedom, you know, it's not like you need to follow a specific meal plan, but once you know the principles, as you said, then you can apply it to you and what you like and what your taste buds are searching for. So how long does it typically take for 
someone to hit that point where it is a lifestyle. You know, typically I've heard for most things, 21 days of staying consistent. Is that the same with nutrition or does it take longer? Yeah. So that 21 day is interesting because that's really, um, where that comes from is basically the amount of time that it takes. And we're focusing on gut health for your gut cell wall to regenerate. Well, it regenerates about every three to five days. So it actually regenerates fairly quickly, but those antibodies, those inflammatory antibodies that are being produced against your food protein actually takes 21 days for those to be reduced once you eliminate them and remove them from the body. And so that's really where that number comes from, which is actually, so people do typically take about three weeks because their body stops reacting at that point. So they eliminate all these inflammatory foods. So we've been talking a lot about the anti-inflammatory. So the inflammatory processed foods, sugar, corn, um, processed grains, um, alcohol, legumes, things that are known to have are inflammatory in nature. Now, some of them, like people say legumes, well, at that, when you're trying to heal your gut, you want to kind of remove anything that could potentially cause any inflammation. Give your body that 21 days. I, I actually push for 28 days with my gut protocol that I have um, because you want that extra week to just kind of continue to nourish your body. Um, and then recognizing at that point, yes, you're gonna feel better. Um, and, and that's where you kind of either try to reintroduce things to see how it makes your body feel. But ultimately at that point, that's when your body's going to stop reacting at that point, because you're, you've removed that you've reduced the antibody response that's occurring as a result of that inflammatory food. You allow your gut wall to heal itself. Um, and then you just kind of like maintain it as a lifestyle. Gotcha. So at least the four weeks. And then it sounds like at that point, since your body has stopped reacting, that if you do have something like a piece of pie, it might react negatively towards that. Yeah, absolutely. So we do have like what we call like the reintroduction phase when you do like when you work on healing your gut. And so in that time period, you start to reintroduce things like dairy and you reintroduce that for a 24 hour period. You wait and see how you react. Then you eliminate it. You eat clean again for a couple of days and then you go to the next gluten. You reintroduce that for a 24 and you'll see how you're interestingly, like I, so I do my gut protocol like three, four times a year. Um, and so <laughs> the, the last time, the, the first time actually that I did it, um, I reacted to corn and I've never, I, I was like, okay, why is this happening? You know, but corn and gluten protein, they have very similar molecular protein structures. So many people that have a gluten intolerance also have a corn intolerance and don't realize it. And so many people that do go gluten-free, their alternative is corn. And a lot of that is a result of, you know, just GMO processed corn. And that's like the vast majority of it. So it's very eye-opening when you do it and just listening to your body. There are so many expensive tests out there that I tell people to save your money put the time in for four weeks um, and, and just listen to your body and see how you're reacting, see how you feel. And then from there, build your, build your plan, you know, your lifestyle plan. Yeah. I love what you just said of listen to your body because it's so true. I once did, I wouldn't call it an elimination diet, but it was basically a super clean eating diet for, I think it was the 21 days. So three weeks. And then I started having some foods that I hadn't been having. And the interesting thing to me was that they were still healthy foods, but they bothered me more. I remember sweet potatoes 
apples, some, some nuts. And I remember thinking like, but these are healthy. I don't understand. Like these shouldn't bother me, but they did. And so then I had to kind of tweak what I ate from there on out. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then people, and that's why I tell, like, you can't, not everybody, everybody's an individual and you can't all follow the exact same diet or plan or foods. I mean, our bodies are all different. Yeah. So do you suggest an elimination diet and then reintroducing things to everyone? Or is that just for certain people with certain goals? I do suggest that to everybody. And when people say, where do I start? I'm like, start with an elimination diet, you know, because that's a good, gives you a good baseline understanding of where you are Um, at the end of it, you know, at that reintroduction phase, you can kind of assess your reaction to different foods, move forward, continuing to eliminate those that you did react to reintroduce those that your body was able to tolerate. And then from there, just continue to follow those principles and eat that way. Um, But ultimately, like, we want to heal our gut first, you know, 70% of our immune system resides in our gut and in our gut lining. And so when we have what we call this leaky gut, so it really should be like these tight junctures, you should be consuming whatever it is that you're consuming. It should not go past the gut wall. Um, we should be able to pull the nutrients that we need out of it. They should be porous enough to absorb those nutrients, but you know, there should be this lock fit here where there nothing's leaking out and that we then just eliminate um, the, the foods. But what's happening is because of our inflammatory lifestyle, we have this, here's our gut wall and you see all these holes in it. And what happens is these food proteins that should never have escaped your gut wall and into your bloodstream are now seeping through. So it could be anything like almonds, right? So at that point, like when you have this extreme leaky gut, like people will start saying, well, I never used to react to figs and now I eat figs and I had a reaction or I never used to react to almonds or when I eat this, I get tired. And every now I feel like everything I eat is causing me to feel X, Y, and Z. And I hear this all the time. And it's a lot of people like, yeah, as I've gotten older, I can't tolerate this and I can't tolerate. And I'm like, yeah, because this has just gotten so bad. And you continue to leak these, proteins into the bloodstream and the body views them at, you know, they're not supposed to be there. So they're like, oh, we have to attack. Let's everybody like, this isn't this food, you know, this antigen to almonds, like, what is this? We've never seen it before attack. Right. And so that's where you have this chronic inflammatory response that occurs. And so like your immune system is always revved up as a result of that. And, you know, it's just constantly responding. Like it never turns itself off, which is a bad thing. Inflammation is good because it triggers the body to say, ah, there's a problem, let's react. But when we're constantly having, you know, some type of inflammatory like process and causing the body to respond, that's where we get into the stage, chronic inflammation, and then, you know, autoimmune disease develop, these symptoms that we're talking about. So if we can heal the gut and stop that process from occurring with food, that to me is step one. And then from there, introducing other lifestyle measures like eliminating toxin exposures, getting good sleep, you know, yoga and meditation, exercise. So like slowly building on that, you know, and it's not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, but that's kind of the process that I try to tell people. Um, and that's why I like to start with the gut, healing the gut, the diet and educating on foods and nutrition um, and that whole inflammatory process. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because with the way that you're describing it, if you focus on your gut first, you're truly working on healing yourself from the inside out versus taking these external things and putting them in your body, at least as the first step. Exactly. And you know, if people will like, they don't want to change their diet at all, but they read about all these supplements they're going to take and apple cider vinegar. And then they realize nothing's working. And it's like exactly what you just described. Like you're it's a bandage approach, whether it's natural or it's conventional, it's the same thing. You're taking something externally, trying to solve the problem as opposed to going to the root and solving from the inside out. Right. So I have two questions. I'm trying to decide in my head, which I want to ask you first, I'm going to go with this one. So I have a lot of clients who are interested or have actually tried various diets that are geared towards people with autoimmune diseases. So intermittent fasting is a big, big one. People are talking about nowadays, the walls protocol swank, the autoimmune protocol. There's a bunch of them. What are your thoughts on them? Is one better than the other? If so, what might that be? And just general thoughts. Yeah. So again, I look at things as like an individualized approach, not to say that any of those diets are bad. Um, but what I, get concerned with is the ability to maintain those diets because they are highly restrictive. They're highly prescriptive as well. So it's like, you have to eat exactly this and this is how you do it. Um, and so sometimes people will feel better. They'll follow it for maybe a month, two months. And a lot of times, you know, for lack of better words, they relapse, they relapse back to their original way of eating because it's difficult to maintain and sustain on some of these very restrictive diets. Um, so that's why I do like to focus on giving people the basic understanding and the principles behind why you need to reduce inflammatory foods. You know, what's the science behind these plant-based foods that are actually leading to, you know, reducing inflammation and actually be contributing to being anti-inflammatory right? and helping working on a lot of those mechanisms. And so I, I feel like when people understand why, then they're more likely to just be conscious of things and implement them into their lifestyle and maintain that. Um, intermittent fasting is another big one. It's great. It's not for everybody though, and it can produce stress on the body. Um, so I also, again, tell people, listen to your body with that as well. Like some people will say, oh, I fast 16 hours. Um, and maybe I'm feeling more tired or this. And it's like, well, you're impacting your adrenals. You're, you're really stressing your body and your body's trying to compensate because it, it's starving. So like, listen to it, maybe 13 hours works well for you. Maybe 12 hours works well for you. Um, you know, a lot of times I just say, just don't eat two to three hours before you go to bed. Um, and, and that's, that's good. That's good enough doesn't have to be the 16 hour fast, you know, but then that allows your body to regenerate itself while it sleeps. It reduces inflammation. I overall, so it's like some of those easier principles I think are good. And then maybe people, once they get to that point, maybe then they do want to try some of these other diets and that's okay. Um, but that's, I don't, I'm not against anything, whatever works for you works. And by all means, that's, the, that's, that's the goal. If it works for you and you are able, I know I have a friend who's done keto. She's been on it for over five, six years now. I do have wow. my opinions about that, but she's actually been able to maintain that. I've never heard of anybody that's been able to do it for that long. So it's hard. Um, and, and at the end of the day, if you're able to maintain a diet and it's helping you and you're 
checking your lab work and you're assessing how your body feels and, and things look good and you're on that trajectory upward from a health standpoint, then that's great. Then that's working for you. And I think at the end of the day, that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. And so this kind of goes back to a question that I had earlier, but when it comes to the time frame that you should be doing a specific plan, not should be, but if you wanted to follow a plan in order to reduce symptoms, do you have any guidelines on that? I've had several clients say, you know, I tried this specific diet for three months and it didn't work for me. So then I switched, I'm trying this one. It, when it comes to, and when they say it didn't work for me, what they meant was my symptoms didn't improve. What are your thoughts on that? Is, is there a longer time that you should actually stay with a specific, even if it's general guidelines or something very specific that until you notice reduced symptoms, or is that not the goal? You know, first, the first step I say, and I'll go back to this is to, is the gut. And, you know, a lot of times if symptoms aren't improving, I start to question like the integrity of the gut lining and this, as a result, the symptoms that are occurring and the overall inflammatory process. Um, but most of these diets are anti-inflammatory in nature. That's the, the walls protocol, the AIP diet. Um, but I always like to say, like, start with an elimination diet, gut healing diet, you know, heal that gut wall and then kind of jump into maybe something else, right? Like now, now it's almost like, that area is just closed off, it's sealed, it's healed. And now it's kind of like it jump starts you into like a success with some other protocol or diet. So I always that's that's where I focus on. And like so many people would ask me like, for the past few years, like, how do I start? Well, what do I do? What kind of gut protocol? What? And so I ended up just making one because I'm like, okay, there's <laughs> a need clearly out there. And it personally, I was like, well, people probably already know this, like this. And it was like news to me, like, no, this is not something that's mainstream. Um, even though we talk about gut and leaky gut so much, it's just, it's just amazing to me. Um, you know, how much you assume people know and, and you can't do that. Um, yeah. So I always say start with the gut. Awesome. So I saw one of your Instagram posts recently and what it said, it was a quote and it said, you're not a failure if you need to take medication. Can you explain your thought process behind posting that? Yeah. So I, I get so many DMS on my Instagram. It's an insane amount. And I try so hard to respond. I'm actually proud that I have zero right now. In my inbox. <laughs> nice. and a lot of times I, I mean, I can't give personal medical advice over Instagram, but I get so many messages where people say, you know, I have to take this medication and I don't want to, I want, what natural things can I do instead of taking this? Or I stopped it and I'm feeling horrible, but I want to do something natural. And I'm just like, you can still do natural and be on medication. And it's the stigma that's been created. Like, oh, you're failing if you're on medicine. Oh, you went the conventional route. And I hate that they're just, there's this, this polarity between the two. Um, and there shouldn't be. And so like my mantra that I stress and kind of my tagline on my website is balancing nutrition and medicine, because it's okay to have both. And I look at them as both being on a scale and you're on medicine and you're starting, you know, and you're eating whatever it is that you're eating. And then you, you start this journey the goal would be that you improve your lifestyle and nutritional factors so much that maybe you're able to reduce that dose. Maybe then you're able to get off of it because you really don't need it because you are healing from the inside out. 
But if you have to stay on it, and I say it personally, I have to stay on my thyroid meds. I've tried to reduce the dose thinking, oh, things look good, I'm gonna reduce. And I've put myself in a flare and it's not fun. Um, and so it's, you feel like everything you did, you end up going backwards. And so I'm like, it's okay to be on medication. You're not a failure if you are, and you still can implement all of these lifestyle measures and diets into it while being on medication and therefore delaying the progression of your disease. At the end of the day, when you have an autoimmune disease, you're never going to get rid of it. That's the bottom line. Yes, you can put it in remission, which means you're delaying the progression essentially is what you're doing through a lot of your diet and lifestyle factors. But ultimately that's the goal. If this is lifelong, we wanna slow it down as much as possible. And even if we're on a medication, but we implement all these other factors into our lifestyle, we are gonna slow it down. We're gonna slow it down in its tracks and maybe it never progresses to anything worse ever. Continue to take that medication, you live that healthy life and that's a win, that's a huge win. I don't want people to feel like they're failing because of that. Yeah, absolutely. So you've mentioned your book a few times. Can you tell our listeners who maybe haven't heard about it, what it's called and where they can find it? Yeah, so my book is called The Immunity Food Fix. And it ultimately starts with a really basic understanding of the immune system, right? The immune system is so complex. And I tell some of my friends and family, like that was the hardest chapter to write. It took so long because I needed to make it simple so simple that people would really understand the basic mechanisms of the immune system so that then they could understand everything else that went forward. So it starts with that and then really focuses and gives you a really deep explanation on the gut. And I talked a little bit about this gut and gut health and how that translates to autoimmunity and other chronic diseases and inflammatory foods. And so you get this really nice background. And then we jump into a hundred foods that have, are proven to be anti-inflammatory. And it's backed by over 150 scientific references. So that's, wow. you guys all know that that's how I function. <laughs> um, and, and it gives you basically what we call the science behind each food. So you will have the deep science behind it and very simplified. Again, that was very hard, but <laughs> I got it down to very simplified verbiage. And then really the fix that's associated with that. So what is that doing? And so it allows people to then read through that and broken out by chapters of oils and seeds and herbs and fruits and the rain, eating the rainbow. And so it's really broken down nicely. But at the end of it, it allows you then to identify, you have a basic understanding of all these foods, what they do. You have a greater sense of appreciation for them. That's really my goal is for you, for people to appreciate what these foods can do. And then you can build your plan from there, recognizing the benefits that you're going to get and how that's ultimately going to help improve your immune system. That sounds amazing and so necessary. Again, as I said in the very beginning, I'm someone who loves to know the why. I'm so much more likely to stick to a plan if I know why it's important and your book truly speaks to that. So that's amazing. Yeah, you and everybody else. I mean, I found that like people just need to know why and a lot of times we walk around and people will leave the doctor's office and they'll be like, he said, I have to do X, Y, and Z. And then you say, oh, well, why, why didn't ask why? And it's like, no, you need to ask why. I want to empower you to be able to ask why so that you have that understanding. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. It's available right now for pre-order on Amazon um, under Immunity Food Fix, or you can search me as the author. 
Um, but yeah, it's guaranteed if you pre-order now to be received. Fortunately, it's not till June 7th, but I tell everybody to kind of reserve your copy um, because there have been a lot of delays, as you guys know, just kind of in the world today with shipping and things like that and guaranteeing products. So I'm very excited about it. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to pre-order. I can't wait. That sounds so great. So this was amazing for so many reasons. If people do want to follow you, I know you have a blog and Instagram. Can you let us know those different avenues where they can find you in addition to your book? Yeah. So my handle on Instagram, Facebook, really everywhere is Dr. Autoimmune Girl. Um, and that's just DR Autoimmune Girl. I know you're going to have it in the show notes. And then I have DrAutoimmuneGirl.com for my website. I have a newsletter um, that I slacked on a little this year, but I promise next year it will continue to come out monthly. And I try to give kind of the latest research and the latest news that's out there related to autoimmunity and immune health. Um, so I also have that newsletter that goes out so you can go to my website and subscribe there as well. Awesome. Yes. I'll put all of those in the show notes. Thank you again for being here with us. I know I learned a ton and I know our listeners got a lot of value as well. Awesome. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you loved this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast. <laughs>